want you to take it and turn over to Ephesians, the second chapter. We've been going there each and every week throughout this series, and we're going to continue this morning. But before we get there, um, <clears throat> let's just set this up just a little bit because we're finishing up today. This is actually week six of a, a study that we've been talking about kingdom building or, or building the kingdom of God in this city. And we, we, we've used the hashtag, this is my city. And we've done it. We, we've tried to, to blog, to put on Facebook and Twitter and tried to get it out on the social media as much as possible because we want to begin changing the dynamics of our city and the dynamics of the kingdom of God within our city. Now, we, we, we're finishing up today and, and actually this week we're going to be closing down our our 40 days. Now, some of you don't believe it's already been there and some of you think, oh, Lord Jesus, tell me the day, the hour, please. Um, I know somebody was, was said they were fasting, I forget what it was, negative talk and, and negative thinking and those kind of things. And they, they sent me a text this week and told me, said, Pastor, you don't know how this has changed me to have to begin to consider what I say and what I think and what I allow myself to be. Uh, I'm praying that over the last 40 days that some of you have gained some new perspective and, and especially that you've maybe gained some new habits. How many of you know that it would be a good thing not to have the habit of, of always going negative? Turn the person next to you and say, he's preaching at you. No, be nice about it, but uh, no, I'm just being, being uh, sarcastic there. But we are finishing up this week in, in our focus time of prayer and, and fasting and ministry to the Lord. And throughout these last couple, uh, several weeks, we've been trying to focus... Or concentrate ourselves on, on God's goodness, on His, on His grace, His mercy, and, and especially on His call or His desire for us to build the kingdom. Now we've, we, we did this because the Bible says, and you don't have to turn there because I think most of you know this scripture. The Bible says in John the third chapter, verse 16 and 17, probably the most famous scripture in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world. And I want to stop there for just a second because I believe that means Richmond too. Well, that, that, I'm hoping it's just sinking in and you're catching up with me. Because how many of you believe that Richmond is part of this? How many of you believe that God loves Richmond? Come on. Yeah, I know. If you don't believe that God loves Richmond, I think that you need to, you need to have another dose of the Holy Ghost. Because we, we are needing of His love and He does love us. And so it says, For God so loved the world in Richmond that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I love this 17th verse where it says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, come on, and Richmond, through Him might be saved. Can I, can I tell you that His love, because that, that whole Scripture talks about the love of God, for God so loved. Do, do you realize that His love, His, how can we even describe it? This, this overwhelming, unrelenting, intense, just never give up love is what caused Him to seek us out and to offer us a, a real life and a real relationship. And listen, can I tell you that that same love, that same Unrelenting, never give up, intense love is what should build and, and foster within us or drive that call and that desire that He has for us to build His kingdom. 
See, I, I love it because you say, well, Pastor, why, why would we do any of this? Because this is our city. You see, I have accepted the fact that God gave me Richmond, Indiana as a place that I would be and I would win it to Him. I would win people to Jesus Christ in this place for His kingdom. Well, but Pastor, you know, I, I don't know if I want to stay in Richmond. Well, I, you know, I don't know about you either. But what I understand is that while I'm here, until I go to be with Jesus in glory, this is my city. This is my Jerusalem. This is my Judea. This is my Samaria. This is my city. And that means I'm unwilling to give it up or give it over to whatever the enemy might want to try. How are we going to do this? Well, it's, it's simply because of the fact that for us to build the city, or for us to build the kingdom in the city, is we've got to do what John, the 15th chapter says. It says, remember the root command. The root command is what, folk? Love one another. Remember the root command. You see, we, we've been called into the kingdom of God by His love and, and, and to be builders of His kingdom through that same love. Because this is our city. This is our city. You say, well, I don't live here, Pastor. I live in Centerville. Then Centerville's your city. Take it for Jesus. Well, I, I, I live in Ohio. Then take Ohio for Jesus. What is your city? What do you claim is yours? You see, you say, Pastor, well, I don't know I'm going to be able to do any of this that you're talking about and you've been talking about. Well, listen, the way that we do this, the only way that we can accomplish this is where we've been talking about this in Ephesians, the second chapter. And I told you to turn there to Ephesians 2, verse number 19 to 22. And I'm reading out of God's Word translation says, You are no longer foreigners and outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of God's family. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself is the cornerstone. Now watch this. Here's where I want you to pay close attention because it says, In Him. Everybody say, In Him. Amen. Try it one more time. Say, In Him. Amen. All the parts of the building fit together. You and I fit together. How? In Him. And we grow into a holy temple in the Lord. Then watch this next phrase. He says, through Him. Everybody say, through Him. Try it one more time. Say, through Him. You also are being built in the Spirit together with others. Watch this. Into a place where God lives. This is the kingdom. Do you realize the kingdom of God is in you and through you? All the, see, I, 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 we need to go back to singing, it's a good, good father again, I guess, but come on. The kingdom of God is in you and through you. It's not just in this house. This house one day will fall apart after Jesus comes and, and listen, if you want it after Jesus comes, I'll be more than happy to sign the deed over to you. This house is not where God lives. God lives. His kingdom lives in and through us. We understand that the kingdom of God is where He resides, where, where He rules as Lord. And we want that place to be in us and then through us. So we, we want it to be in our houses, in our homes. We want it to be through our houses and our homes. And, and then in this house and in this city. We want Jesus Christ to be Lord. 
What's the kingdom of God, pastor? In simplest way I could put it, it is where Jesus rules as Lord. You say, what, are you, well, well, what does that mean to us, Pastor? Well, let me, let me take you to some, some other scriptures here before I really begin to get into this today. Because in Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus himself said this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand this something, because the word key here in this scripture means the ability to lock or unlock something. Oh, see, I, maybe we're just going to do some teaching this morning and maybe we'll do some prayer. I don't know, but we're going we're to try to get something to us this morning we need. The word key means the ability to lock or unlock something. If you study out that scripture, just a few, uh, just a few sentences later, he talks about the, the, the fact that the Spirit says, I'm going to give you the ability that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have the keys. We have the key to unlock or lock up the kingdom of God. Pastor, I'm not so sure I like your tone. Well, I'm not so sure that the Holy Spirit likes our inaction. Well, thank you, Jesus. We have been given the keys of the kingdom. That means we have the ability enrichment. Come on, you say, well, if we just had a better pastor, well, I, sometimes I think that'd be nice. If we had a good evangelist come through and just shake the city up, Come on, somebody. We've had evangelists. We've had good pastors. We've had good singing. We've had good churches. We still have good churches. We still have good pastors. We still have evangelists that come through the city. Well, if we just had anointing. We've had anointing. But the keys are not in the church. The keys are in the people of the church. We have... Oh, see, I... I have, I have hit a note. I have struck a chord. And some of you look like if your darts could kill. You'd be shooting them at somebody, but not me. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is we have the keys. We can lock it up. And say, no, I don't want nobody else to come into kingdom because that nasty so-and-so that lives beside me, he always lets his dog poop on my yard and I can't stand him. You said that in the house of God. Well, I wasn't in the pulpit. I was beside of it, so it's okay. I don't like that boss that I have to serve under. He is nasty. He's mean. I don't like the way that the government is running Richmond. You know what? We have the keys to either lock it up or loose it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. See, the, what I want you to understand is this is it's, it's our time to begin to open up the kingdom of God to everybody in this city. You say, Pastor, they already know about Jesus. Well, they may know about him, but have they had the opportunity to come into the kingdom? It amazes me sometimes. My wife showed me a video the other day, and I... I digress just a little bit here, and I'll be careful not to go too far into this, but it amazes me sometimes at the dumbing down of America. 
How that we have in some ways, and honestly in many ways, we know what the Kardashians are doing, but we don't even know what's happening in our neighborhood. Don't make me preach, I'm trying to teach. We know what Snooky is up to. Don't shout me down just because I'm on your bench. Come on. We know what's on Facebook. We know what is the latest tweet that has just twitted. That's not right, but I don't really care. I don't know if you, tw- do you... It doesn't matter. We know a whole lot of stuff, but the problem is, is we don't realize the keys to the kingdom are in us. We have it. See, I want you to understand that there's, there's another word here that I want you to see too, because the word says build. Jesus said, I will build. Everybody say build. Now, that word not only means to construct something, but it also means to repair something. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to repair what the devil broke. See, you got to understand this. I mean, and I know some of you are so smart. You're so theologically brilliant. In the, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend your, your, your intelligence, but let me just take for a second. See, the covenant that Adam and Eve had was wonderful. They walked with God. They had intimate communion with Him daily. But when sin entered, that relationship and that covenant was prevailed against. It was overpowered. How, Pastor? Why, Pastor? Because of their human mistakes. Come on, everybody say human mistakes. You see, that's the problem is we're still dealing with human mistakes. We're still dealing with stuff that we're, we're allowing our humanity to overpower the covenant. Oh, you see, you don't, you don't want me to talk now. We're still allowing the humanity and our mistakes of our past and even our present to overpower the new covenant that Jesus Christ has brought to us. See, what you've got to understand is that, that what happened at the fall of man was the break. It was the overpowering. It was, it was where the covenant was messed up. But what happened at Calvary sealed forever a new covenant and a new kingdom that the enemy cannot destroy or overpower. What do you mean? I'm telling you that Jesus took the, the, the human failure out of the equation. What's that for? Not sure, but just needed to be done. Listen, he took the human failure, that, that, that mess that we could be. Turn to somebody and say, he took you out of this thing. See, what he's trying to say is, I took your ability to mess up out, and I made a new covenant, a perfect covenant that you could enter into. A new kingdom. See, all that's left of this new covenant in this kingdom now is our decision to accept it. Great God, I, I, I wish I could get this. It's a done deal, folk. It's a done deal. Everybody say, done deal. Listen, the blood's already been offered. The penalty's already been paid. The forgiveness has already been extended. Now it's just up for us to walk and accept His freedom. This is what Jesus came to do. To repair and restore the kingdom of God. To build the kingdom. To transform our lives. And to take back what we lost to sin. Listen to me, listen to me. You've got, you got to hear this. 
When we build the kingdom of God, we keep the work of Jesus Christ going forward. Do you know what? People's lives can still be changed. Oh, come on. The day of change is not over. The day of change and the ability to be changed will never be until Jesus Christ calls every one of us home. So over, over the last few weeks, we've, we've been talking about this, right? We've been, we've been talking about this, building the kingdom and making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. And we, we've, we've used, our pastors have come up here, we, uh, we had our pastors come up over the last few weeks, all three of us, and we've talked about Noah and Moses and Ezra, and then last week about Nehemiah. And so today what I want to do is I want to finish this up by giving you some practicalities. Everybody say practicalities. I want to give you some practicalities to build the kingdom. Here you go. Ready? Number one, build the kingdom of God in your personal life. Your personal life. Everybody say personal life. Try that again. Say personal life. What do you mean, Pastor? What I'm saying is whatever we are saying publicly about the kingdom of God needs to be evidenced in our personal lives. Oh, you didn't hear me. You were still writing. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Whatever we are saying publicly about the kingdom of God should be evidenced in our personal lives. What am I trying to tell you? We are going to refuse to join the ranks of the hypocrites. No. We're not going to be hypocrites. Well, Pastor, but you know I have, I have issues. Yeah, I know you got issues. I have issues. We all have issues. Let's have a party of issues. It doesn't matter what issue you have. When that issue is submitted to the Holy Spirit, it's going to have to begin to come into line. You say, well, Pastor, it, it starts jumping out of line. I realize that, and that's what discipline is about. How many of you have ever been on a diet... There's three of you. All right. Well, I want to talk to the three of you to see if you'll agree with me. There has been at least one time on your diet that you were tempted to break it. Some of you are tempted daily with that one time. Some of you are tempted moment by moment with that one time. Listen, how many of you have ever had the opportunity to get stuck in the temptation? We all have that opportunity. We all have that potential within us. What I'm trying to tell you is, we're not going to stay there, though. We're not going to stay there because to stay there means we're playing the hypocrite. We're not going to join the ranks of hypocrites. I'm going to say that again. BWC, we're not going to play the hypocrite. We're going to be real, and we're going to be really good at trying to change. Turn to somebody and say, I am real. I have real stuff. And say this, and the Holy Ghost is trying to help me deal with my real stuff. So you need to ask yourself, listen, if we're going to build the kingdom of God in our personal life, here's what you ought to ask yourself. You ready for this? Here's where where we get practical. Ready? Here's practicality. You need to ask yourself, what am I showing to that cashier? What are you showing? 
What are you showing to the attendant at the gas station? What are you showing to the greeter in that store or to the people you pass by every day? What are you showing? Because whatever is going to be publicly confessed needs to be expressed and evidenced. You get them, Pastor. I'm trying. She wants the scripture in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Let your light shine before men. That means in the church and outside of the church. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It doesn't matter what we do, Pastor. Yes, it does. People are watching you. And listen, you got the keys, sweet thing. You got the keys, Mr. Christian. You got the keys, Mrs. Christian. You've got the keys, teenager. And what you want to lock up, you have the ability to lock up. What you want to lose, they may not shout here. Okay, I'll move on. Listen, I'm, I'm trying to give you some practicalities. Build the kingdom in your personal life. Everybody say, my personal life. So build the kingdom. Build the place where Jesus is Lord in your personal life. Then let me show you number two. Number two, practicality. You ready for this? Build the kingdom of God at home. Everybody say, home. Now, you remember, you remember we, we talked about this over the last few weeks, and every week we've tried to just return to it a little bit. The word kingdom means the dominion or the authority of the king in the way he does business. It's the king's dominion or the way he does business, where he rules and reigns, where Jesus is Lord. So, so, watch this. If we're going to build the kingdom of God at home, that means we may need to start practicing and releasing his authority in the way he does business in our homes with our families. Notice I started with you first. I didn't start with the world. I didn't start with the community. I started with you. Let's build the kingdom in our own personal lives. Then let's begin to build the kingdom in our homes. Everybody say homes. How would you do that? Well, how about this? How about some prayer in your home? How about some, how about some Bible reading, folk? Well, you don't know what it's like to be in my home. No. I know what it's like to have children. I know what it's like to have a full day, a full schedule. I know what it is to have stress. But I'm not asking you what your house is like. What I'm asking you is how are you releasing the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your house? How about some prayer? How about some Bible reading? How about... Boy, this sounds old-fashioned, doesn't it, sweetheart? I remember we used to have... I remember when we were just, we were just first married. And, 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 you know, I heard... And so we were going to have a family Bible time. That didn't last very long because I wanted to kill every one of my children. They weren't listening to the Greek and the Hebrew. They didn't get into the Spirit when we were trying to pray. Ryan was playing with his trucks. Krista was smacking Shay. And Mama's over here trying to smack all of them while, she's, while Daddy doesn't see. Shut up. Shut up. Sound like we're trying to get... Listen, I don't know how yours are going to work. 
But how about some prayer in your home? How about some Bible reading in your home? Hey, 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 how about this? How about you start speaking some godly words over each other in your own house? How about practicing some love and some mercy and some forgiveness in your home with your husband, with your wife, and with your children? Instead of just nasty stuff coming out your mouth about what's happening or what's going on, how about you start speaking the Word in your house? I don't know if I like this. Listen, listen. The way we treat church folks on Sunday or strangers we meet ought never be better than the way we treat each other in the house. You want a scripture? Let me give you a scripture. Deuteronomy 6 chapter says it this way. Keep these words which I say to you this day. Deep in your hearts. Teaching them to your Children with all care. Talking of them when you are at rest in your house. Or walking by the way. When you go to sleep. And when you get up. How about you start speaking the kingdom of God. Building it in your house. Well, Pastor, I think it's just too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to begin to speak into your house, into that environment you call a home. The name of Jesus. The Word of God. Praying over those kids. I remember when we were, when we, when our kids were just little, every night, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take that back, every night I could, every night I could remember, and sometimes my wife would have to do it for me if I was, I was out or doing something or ministering or whatever, but every night one of us would go in and we would Speak over our children, Proverbs, the third chapter, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We would speak it until they, we would begin to walk in the door to speak it. And they would go, no, no, not tonight, no. But we did it. Somewhere I have a belief that that scripture has lodged down deep in their heart. And even if they decide to get stuck on stupid somewhere, just like their mom and daddy did, even if they decide to rebel against God, or even if they decide to just follow after Him with all their heart, there's going to be a scripture that's going to be bound in their spirit all the time that all i got to do is trust in the Lord. All i got to do is lean not to my own understanding. That it doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing, or how I'm doing it. If I can just acknowledge Him, He'll direct my paths. Listen, how about you begin to speak in your house the kingdom of God? How about you do it? See, build the kingdom of God. Build the place where Jesus is Lord in your personal life. Then build it in your home. And then let me give you another practicality. You ready for this? Number three. Build the kingdom of God at work and in our community. I told you, I believe with all my heart, our city matters to God. I'm going to say that again. Our city matters to God. And our actions, our words, and our attitudes are supposed to be reflecting the King in the way He would do things. So listen to me. Listen to me, BWC folk. Listen to me, all you that are here this morning. The same junk that unsaved people love to talk and gossip about should not be the first thing that comes out of our mouths at our jobs. Uh-uh. 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 The same hateful, 
discouraging, disparaging words about our city should not be the talk of our lunch and our dinner table. Is this too hard? If it is, come back. I love on you a different way. Listen to me. Let me try this. The same ugliness that unsaved people react with all around us should not be our normal reactions. We're called to be different. We have keys that can unlock the kingdom. Watch this. Romans 12 says it this way. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Watch this. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. (laughs) I should have rewrote this sermon. Bless and do not curse. Listen, it may not happen overnight. How many of you realize that you can go out there and you can start speaking Jesus all over the city and that doesn't mean the whole city changes overnight? It may not happen overnight, but here, 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 hear me. You can begin to be a thermostat instead of a thermometer. You can begin to change the temperature and the environment in you and your house and then begin to extend it to your place of work and your street and then your community and this city. You understand what a thermometer does, right? A thermometer just reflects what's happening around it. No, 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 sweetheart. We have keys. We have keys. And we can unlock the kingdom of God in this place. Listen, I'm I'm not trying to tell you that you need to go start a new ministry or a new program. I didn't say that. No, you could maybe even go start. You could maybe even go start supporting those things that are already established. What about you become a big brother? Oh, that's not spiritual. Oh, you don't realize how spiritual it could become. How about you reach out and, and, and help with some food ministry that's in the city? Or, or you begin to reach out and do something that's outside of yourself. And while you do it, you shine Jesus. Why, Pastor? Why in the world would we do any of this stuff that you're talking about? Isn't, I mean, let's, let's just be, let's be honest. Isn't it too late for Richmond? Isn't the day of glory gone? Isn't the day of, of, of our greatest accomplishments and the greatest time for our city, the greatest time for our church, the greatest time for the move of God? Isn't that already over? Isn't it too late? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Because the Bible even says it this way. In the Old Testament it says, There is hope for a tree that is cut down. That at the hint of water, it'll sprout again. I don't know if you've ever been in the woods and seen this happen. 
But I've seen trees that have gotten old and have fallen over because of decay and, 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 and disease. And out of that tree will begin a new growth. Come on, Jesus. So I'm trying to tell somebody, is it too late? No. I believe it is never too late with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that our city can rise. I believe that the kingdom of God can be built. And that we together, if it just starts with one or two people in this house and begins to branch out, that the kingdom of God can be unleashed in this city and Jesus Christ become Lord of our lives, of our homes, of our places of employment, and even of our city and community. I believe. Had somebody tell me last week, they said, Pastor, you know, you were awfully passionate. Yes! Because I believe Jesus Christ is coming again. I'm not as young as I used to be. That doesn't mean anything other than the fact that I'm a little closer to home. But while I'm still here and not there, i got a job to do. I've got a kingdom to establish here on this earth. I can complete and continue what Jesus Christ started. I can unlock the door of the kingdom to somebody. To someone. Maybe be in your family. Maybe in your home. Maybe it's your job. You have keys. You can unlock he said, Pastor, I still I'm, I'm just not convinced. I, I just don't know why. Why would we do any of this? Why would we start this? Because you know the enemy will fight. Of course he will. Come on, he's good at being a devil. He's had a lot of practice of being a good devil. How many of you would just uh, he's he's been he is good at being a devil. Come on. Why would we do this, Pastor? Why would we do this? Why would we do this? Can I say it to you this way? Let me just, because I've got to close this out. I believe midnight is coming. Oh, come on. I believe midnight's coming. And I know, listen, listen, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I don't want you to take the wrong idea from this because so many times we see that word midnight and we think it's a bad thing. Come on, how many of you, when you hear somebody talk about midnight, you think about the darkest of the dark? Nobody but me. Okay. How many of you think when you hear the word midnight's coming, you think about the bad stuff? The turmoil, the struggle, the bad, you know, the dark, the evil, all that. Oh, Pastor, midnight's coming. That means that, you know, that ISIS is going to overtake America and we're all going to have to go back and start eating K-rations again. I remember when the year 2000 broke. Man, the church was so nervous. We were stockpiling water. Trying to stockpile everything because the minute that 2000 hit, all the banks were going to go defunct. America was going to be thrown into a crisis. Anarchy would reign. So you better have bullets and water and some food. We were as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rockers. 
Some of you that are not from Kentucky will get that later. What I want you to understand is this. I know so many times when we say midnight is coming, it conjures up this bad thing or this bad idea or this bad time. But let me take you for just a few seconds because I want to take you to Scripture. You don't have to turn there right now, but Acts the 16th chapter talks about how Paul had desired to go on a missionary trip to Macedonia. Stay with me for just a minute. And so he received a vision. God gives him a vision about going to Macedonia. He said, "There's a, in, in this vision, a man appeared to him and said, hey, come on. And he, said, he knew he was a Macedonian. So Paul, being a, a good man, and he wanted to test this thing out, he went to the elders of the church and he said, listen, this is what I had. I had a vision that I'm supposed to go on a missions trip to Macedonia. Well, the elders got together, they prayed about it, and they came back to him and says, hey, you know what? We believe that God's confirming this. He wants you to go to, or he wants you to, go to Macedonia. So he goes... And when he gets there, there ain't nobody there to help him, meet him, or support him. Nobody. You ain't, you ain't listening. Nobody. I decided to say, this is my city. I decided to go start speaking Jesus. And they won't, nobody stood up and said, yes. Ain't nobody in this house know what I'm talking about. That's all right. That's all right. So, so Paul, let me get back to Paul. Paul, Paul gets there. He, there's nobody there to greet him. There's nobody there. But, but, but what he does is he spots this prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting of some women that are down by the river. So he thinks, okay, well, what else can I do? He goes and joins himself in the prayer time. Well, in the prayer time, Paul starts getting tanked up. I, you know, I don't know if he was running a little low or whatever, but he gets tanked up. You know what I mean by tanked up? It's about five or six of you know what it means to get tanked. Some of you know it on the other side of the, the venue, the other side of the thing, when you talked to you was tanked on a Friday night and you had to sleep it off on a Saturday afternoon. But Paul was tanked up. And he came out of that prayer meeting and, and the first thing that happens is he gets in, or he encounters a demon-possessed woman. And so Paul did whatever good Holy Ghost Pentecostal preacher would do. He cast the devil out of her. Now you would think, come on, you would think that all the people of the city would go, Yay, Paul! Get him, brother! You know what they did? They threw him and Silas in prison. Said, you messing with our money. Because she got us a lot of money with her soothsaying. With her, her demonic presence was a, was, was, a, was a show for us. And we made money off of her. We made green back off of her. And so you have messed with us. We're throwing you in prison. So now he's got a call from God. He has it. He's got it. It's, it's been verified by the elders of the church. He goes there. Gets in a prayer meeting. Gets tanked up. Casts out a demon. And winds up in prison. I'm sure in prison he was tweeting, this is my city. Come on, ain't nobody know what I'm talking about. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Woo! Shatamasa. Nothing seemed to be going right. Oh, I wish I had just, I wish I had just somebody that would help me this morning. Nothing seems to be going out right because why? It's 1159. You didn't catch that. You didn't catch that. You didn't catch that. 
It's 1159 and Paul and Silas are hung up in jail. They may have been tanked up on the Holy Ghost, but now they're locked up with some other nasty demons in the jailhouse. It's 1159. It's in the darkness of 1159. Nothing is changing. Nothing's going right. And it seems like everything is on hold. How many of you ever got a word from God? You got a confirmation? You got what you knew was God? You felt the Holy Ghost tanking you up, getting you ready for some battle, and then you step out and everything goes, hold. And you're going... What? Wait, 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 wait. Let me take a step back. Call, vision, confirmation, tanking up. And he go, hold. He go, wait, 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 wait. Let me. Call and vision, confirmation, stepped out, got tanked up, and hold? 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 Are you serious? And what I understand is that's how some of you are feeling right now, even right now. You feel like God has given you promises. You've been trying to do what He said to do, and yet it's not going the way you thought it was. But what someone needs to hear me this morning tell you is that if God has you on hold, don't hang up! Don't you hang up on God! Just because He may have you on hold for a few moments, that doesn't mean He has forgotten you. It doesn't mean He has forgotten our city. If God has you on hold, don't hang up. Come on, just poke about two people and say, don't hang up. Come on, say, don't hang up. Get somebody else say, don't hang up. See, sometimes it can feel like it's 11.59 for way too long. But what I'm here to tell you is that midnight is not a dark time to God. No, 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 sweetheart. No, 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 sir. To God, midnight is a brand new beginning and it's a time for great things to be birthed. Say, can you prove that, Pastor? Yes. Acts, the 16th chapter, the same chapter I'm talking to you about, verse 25 to 26 says this. And at midnight, everybody say at midnight. Come on, say it again. Say at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Come on, say it like you need a suddenly in your life. Say suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, oh, great God, all the doors. Unlocked! Great Lord Jesus, help me, Holy Ghost. You may not be getting this, but I am seeing in the Spirit. Woo! I see in the Spirit an angel that's beginning to put his foot on a few foundations in the city and in the community. Some of your homes, some of your lives, and there is suddenly coming an earthquake and all the doors opened and everyone's bands were loosed I wish you just at least just lift up one hand and say thank you Jesus come on come on what I'm here to tell somebody 
I'm here to tell somebody, you've been fasting, you've been praying, and it may be 11.59 in your life, in your house, but that just means it's time to sing. Woo! It's time for you to begin to sing out a praise. It's time for you to begin to shout a little bit. It's time for you to get your dance on. It's time for you to get a break now. It's time to get a break too. Because at midnight, great God, would you give Him a praise in this house? Woo! You say, Pastor, that's only one scripture. Let me give you a couple. Are you ready? How many of you give me five minutes? Put your hand up if you give me five. Five, ten, fifteen. No, don't put your hands down now. See? You nasty thing. I got, I got, I got to get this. Watch this. Midnight's coming. Say, Midnight's coming. Say, Midnight's coming. Just kind of shove somebody say, I said midnight's coming. Tell them, say, it's not a dark time for God. Woo! It's a time of birth. It's a time of miracles. It's a time of release. It's a time of doors getting open. It's a time of doors getting unlocked and shoved down. Pastor, are you sure? Let me, I won't take you to the scripture. Matthew 25 talks about the cry of the bridegroom that comes when? At midnight. Woo! See, there's some folk who think that's just for the rapture of the church. What I'm going to tell you, it's also a picture of the revelation and the, of the revival and the fulfillment of what God has already promised. Ruth, let me take you to this one just real quick. And I, I promise I'm, I'm going to get this. But Ruth, the third chapter, says that Ruth went into where Boaz was sleeping and uncovered his feet. Great Lord Jesus. I wish I could preach. I've always wondered about that. Why in the world, young lady, did you go on, go in and uncover that man's feet? You know, I was looking for some great spiritual revelation. You know what the Holy Ghost spoke to me the other day? And I even spoke this to my wife and I said, well, of course. How many of you have ever gotten your feet out from underneath the covers when you're trying to sleep? What happens? After a while, it's like... You're trying to get to cover with your... You're trying to get without waking up. Don't open your eyes, because if you open your eyes, it's all over. But you're trying to... (laughs) Trying to get your feet... Why? Because when your feet are uncovered, it's not comfortable to sleep. See, that's exactly what she was doing. Ruth went into Boaz... And her mama, Naomi, her mama-in-law, Naomi, told her, said, You go in and you lay down at his feet and you uncover them things. She uncovered him. Why? Because she wanted him to notice her. She said, I'm here, big boy. You need to know I'm here. So she just peeled those covers back off of those tootsies and said, let the cold come in because you're going to wake up in a little bit and you're going to see who is right here at your feet. Great Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Ruth, the third chapter, that Boaz woke up and he covered her at midnight. See, 1159... She was waiting, (laughs) 
But listen to me. Oh, great Lord. There was a set time for her to receive. Listen. Set time. Everybody say set time. At midnight, when Boaz covered her with that cover, with that cover, when he reached down and covered her over, it was at midnight. And what that did was that said, you have been gleaning, you've been working in the field, but now, sweet thing, suddenly you went from being a worker to being the owner of the field. See, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. What I'm trying to tell you is that's what we've been doing with our prayers and our fasting. Getting ourselves consecrated. We've been uncovering the Lord's feet and saying, Notice me! We're right here! Use me! Great Lord, I wish I could preach this. Listen, what I'm telling you, it's about midnight. It's about midnight and God... God spoke to me. He said, I'm about to raise up and I'm about to cover you over. I'm about to bring across you a cover of anointing, a cover of grace, a cover of mercy, a cover of calling, a cover of ability, a cover of prosperity, a cover of ministry, and a greater ability to ever than before change and build the kingdom of God in this place. Would you give him a praise in this house? Shut up, I got I gotta close, I gotta close, but listen. Listen. He said, Pastor, that's wonderful, so that's gonna to happen today, right? Let me let me just tell you that we have a set time. Say set time. Say this, I have a set time. Say, my house has a set time. Say, my community has a set time. Say, it may be 1159, but midnight's coming. Now, let me, let me, let me just give you a word of warning, and I promise I'm going to close with this. Exodus 26. You don't have to turn there, but Exodus 26 was the place where God instructed Moses... How to build the sanctuary in the desert, in the wilderness. And he told Moses, he said, listen, I want you to get some goat skin. Everybody say goat skins. Say goats. The word goats means he who butts and he who strikes. He said, I want you to get some goat skins to Moses. And he said, I want you to sew them together and I want you to put Five curtains of goatskins. This is what's going to separate the outer court from the inner court and the Holy of Holies. He said, on the sixth one, you'll do, you'll do different, but here. He said, I want you to put goatskins up. He who butts, he who strikes. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Before your set time, before you get to the holy place. Oh, you ain't getting this. Before you get through, you're going to have to make it through some goats. You're going to have to make it through some goats. You're going to start walking towards God's promise saying Jesus. And you got to move a goat out the way. 
You take another step and there's another one in your face. So you got to move that around. And by the time you're moving that second one, the first one's hitting you in the backside. But before you can get that out of the way, you've got to move through another one. You've got to move through... Before you can get to the holy place, you're going to have to work through some goats. You know what's really sad? Let me show you this in the Scripture. Because in Exodus, the 26th chapter... Verse number 9. Let me show you this one. It says, And thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves, and shalt, watch this, double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. See, what you got to understand is you before you got to the place, right there at 1159, you would encounter double goats. What I'm here to tell you is sometimes it can seem like the enemy is doubling down on his efforts to stop you. But the next step, oh, somebody listen to me right now. The next step, if you get through that, the next step is an embroidered lemon with angels on it. (laughs) And there is a presence of the anointing that is preceded by angelic hosts that ushers you into the holy place. You're going to have to make it through your 1159, sweetheart, because midnight is coming. And you know what the very next place was? The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. See, that's what we've been doing over these last few weeks. We've been asking God to take us, to rearrange us, To bring us to that place. To get us ready for this midnight change. I'm here to tell somebody. Your midnight is about to dawn in Jesus' name. Come on, if you accept that, would you just lift up a hand and shout in this house? Come on, somebody shout in this house. Come on, somebody shout in this house! I want Frontline to come on up because we're going to end this today. We're going to to let you go in just a few minutes. Let Let me tell you. How do you handle 1159? How do you walk through the 1159? Let me give you just a couple things. Number one, you trust In the name of Jesus. You trust in His grace. You trust in His mercy. You trust in His goodness and His promises. And then number two, persevere. You don't quit. If God has you on hold, what do you do? You don't hang up. You don't hang up. I've asked pastor to come and minister to this. Why? Because this is our city. Why are we doing any of this? Because we have keys. And this is our city. Some of you may have already heard this before, but I want you to take what we've talked about over the last few weeks and to realize we have keys. This is our city.